Have you ever noticed that some of the best ideas come from unexpected places? Your next breakthrough may come from a leader facing similar challenges, but in a completely different sector. Welcome to Chief Influencer. I'm your host, Anthony Shop. Join us as we explore how today's successful leaders inspire, influence, and connect with others. Chief Influencer is a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board, who have teamed up to spotlight how great leaders and communicators are making their impact in the world. This episode is brought to you by the George Washington University's College of Professional Studies. With in-person and online programs, ranging from master's degrees in public relations strategy to certificate programs in digital communications, GW offers more than just the credentials to help working professionals get ahead. It prepares them to be leaders in their field. As a proud GW graduate myself, I can attest that faculty members combine academic rigor with real-world lessons that can't always be found in textbooks. Check out cps.gwu.edu for more information. Well, today we have a very special episode of Chief Influencer. I am so excited to invite on our executive producer, Robert Kruger, so that we can talk about some of the highlights that uh, we've noticed from the chief influencers that we have interviewed during 2023. And so we each have some takeaways and some favorite uh, lessons that we want to share with you all. Uh, but by way of introduction, I just want to tell you that Robert Kruger is the executive director of the Communications Board, which is our our partner in this Chief Influencer Initiative. He's also a university instructor and director of communications for PAGE, a global architecture and engineering firm. So welcome to Chief Influencer, going from behind the scenes to being on camera again, Robert. It's great to be here, and uh, and I'm so glad you we uh, we finally found time to schedule this. Yeah, I have learned so much from these folks. I mean, first, I just love that we have accomplished this goal of having folks from so many different industries and backgrounds, from the entertainment industry in LA, Hollywood, to diplomats, to business folks, the arts, um, you name it. And that's been really fun. What are some of the moments that have stuck out to you, Robert, as a communications leader that you know has advised so many CEOs, I wonder if you could share any moments that really um, have stuck with you. Yeah. And so, yeah, thanks. And, and I think that there's been a number of, I think what's like stuck out the most, if I can just kind of go across the board on all episodes, yeah. I think um, just a spectrum of different types of influencers there are out there. Um, I remember this is months and months and months ago when we initially started talking about this potential podcast. And you told me the idea and and I said, yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I could see that, you know? And, and, and I remember thinking like, I remember thinking, I don't know if there's that many people to talk to who are influenced <laughs> out there. And I was very skeptical of it. And so, um, but I think that, you know, you, you did a great job explaining, you know, they, they live in, you know, this area, this pocket here, you know, like it's people you don't even know, you know, it's people who are, who aren't always the kind of puff, you know, pat on their chest and say, Hey, hey, I'm an influencer in my industry. I'm an influencer in, in uh, XYZ universe. And so that's, what's been the coolest thing. And so it's, it's just like all these different types of ind individuals, you know, ranging from public officials to nonprofit leaders to uh, spiritual leaders to you name it, you know? And so I think that that's been the coolest thing um, so far that's really kind of stood out. And I think that, and I, I think that our listeners who, who've who um, been 
consuming every single episode, hopefully, uh, who've listened to all of our episodes so far have, have noted that as well. And so I think that's the biggest uh, surprise for me um, and, and in that regard. And so I knew there were influencers out there. I just, uh, it was a, a pleasant surprise in, in to actually see them and hear their stories and how they were impacting uh, people on all different levels. Yeah, and, and to your point about, you know, the listeners, it's been really great to hear from folks and, you know, please reach out to us. You can go to chiefinfluencer.org to get our info. Uh, but one example is a leader in advocacy in Washington, D.C. reached out to me and said, I really love this episode with Monica Goldson, um, who at the time was CEO of Prince George's County Public Schools, the, one of the largest school districts in America. And she said, you know, how did you guys think about featuring her because I would have never thought of her as somebody who would have lessons for what I do in my role, but it was so helpful. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what we're going for is we want somebody who's in one space to, you know, pick up um, some sort of strategy or tactic from folks in a different industry who they may not normally come across in their day-to-day work. And so that's been gratifying to hear that example. A college president reached out to me with great feedback about one of the episodes and, um, you know, in a different industry. So it's been fun to to get those pieces of feedback. And we're always looking for for more so that we have ideas for new folks to include. And I also think that, yeah, to that point too, with, with Monica, I think that that's a good example as well. Uh, like when I talk about this spectrum of different types of influencers, but also this, this spectrum of different types of tactics as well yeah. that people u- utilize. And so I think sometimes when we think of influential people in today's environment, we think they're using like the bright and shiny, so to speak, objects, you know, newest tools. And, and sometimes like people really thrive off of using tried and true communications strategies and tactics. And so um, sometimes what's old is new, so to speak, yeah. but um, or what's works well, you know, maybe people they put their own twist on it, you know, they kind of hack it their own way and make it their own. And so I think that's, that's what, what some, uh, you know, Maka is a great example of that as well, you know, with this, but we saw this in other different episodes as well. Um, you know, um, Bruce Melman, for example, you know, it was like his visuals that he sends around on, you know, he's on DC and the, on the Hill and, you know, and so those are extremely influential and you wouldn't, I, I don't think that I would have thought of that, you know, um, coming into hearing that episode, hearing that story, that, that, that Bruce was that as influential with that really kind of, really kind of a tried and true different, uh, tactic that, that, that that's working out there that really resonates with whoever he's, um, trying to communicate with. Yeah. One of the chief influencer themes I noticed, you know, kind of keying off of those two interviews you mentioned. So Monica Goldson, uh, for the school district, they created telephone town halls during the pandemic. They didn't just you know wait for people to show up. They used a system that proactively called and said, hey, it's starting, You know, press one to listen in. Bruce Melman, top lobbyist, very well known, created a quarterly slide deck of research that you know, was so good that he realized his clients were passing it around to people you know, without asking. And he said, well, why don't I just do it and own my own list? And then we have seen um, Katie Harbath, who left Meta and launched a Substack um, about kind of election integrity and digital and, and, a, and a bunch of different things. And one of the things that I think pulls all of those together is that these chief influencers realized they can't just depend on third parties or gatekeepers to get their message out. While that's part of it, they have to develop a strategy and tactics 
that they can use to directly go to an audience. And in some cases, that audience is thousands and thousands of people. In each of those cases, it was over 10,000. But we've also seen some examples where that can work even if you have a few hundred people you want to keep in touch with. What strategy are you using? I think that's the question for all of us to ask if you're a chief influencer or a communications advisor working with one so that you can ensure your message is getting out to the right people at the right time with the right information and that you develop that relationship that is only possible in the digital world. And I just love that we saw so many examples of that from Substack to Telephone Town Hall to a quarterly slide deck um, to some video things to you know Facebook Live. Um, you don't have to do them all. None of them actually do them all. They all figured out something that worked for them and then they were consistent with it, which I think is a key thing, right? You can't just do it once or twice and see if it sticks. You got to kind of stick with it for a while. And that's definitely true. I think that like you were saying, I think that about message consistency and kind of sticking with your message, sticking with the tactic to kind of seeing things because I think sometimes things don't work out first time, you know, uh, when we try it, when we try something new and, um, part of it, part of it being influential is kind of being stubborn in a way sometimes, yeah. you know, and really just kind of hold, you know, hold firm out. So you, you, you go back as, as humans, we go back and we retool, figure out was there something wrong with it, what we did. But, uh, but yeah, I love that, you know, um, um, going back to, uh, uh, to what, what works and, you know, how we stay consistent, what we've done, whatnot. And so, um, I mean, I think like speaking of like being consistent and 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 also like I think that you know uh, someone who's had has gotten a lot of attention. I think you know outside of our the podcast is Danica Rome. I think uh, you know I think that it was great that you know and Danica did the interview in the during election season, and sure enough, Danica won. You know, became uh, a state senator in the state, a great state of Virginia, right? And so, but I think what I've noticed with Danica. Ever since I became aware of Danica years ago, was you know uh, message consistency, tried and true tactics, staying consistent, you know, uh, really getting out there. Um, like it's it's very it's very common to run into Danica out in the street, out out at the grocery store, out you know uh, during campaign season. Danica is always like knocking on doors, whatnot. Like it, it, and so I find that extremely beneficial, along with what with the other. Uh, um, the ways that, 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 you know, she was influential and in what was talked about during that, during the interview with us. Yeah. I thought, uh, well, first of all, you know, Danica would probably say the Commonwealth of Virginia, Robert, Excuse I think me, that's yes. <laughs> but I, you know, we all call it a state. Um, I think that one of the things that I remember about her is that she has this background where she was in a heavy metal band and that's very unique for somebody in politics. I, I would suspect. And um, she shared a lesson in her book, um, Burn the Page, which was about seeing Metallica after a concert stay for hours to, you know, take selfies and greet fans. And she, being a, a trailblazer herself, is the first openly transgender uh, state legislator elected in the United States when she was elected as state rep. She got a lot of attention. And that was something that that she remembered and that sort of channeled her, how she shows up in person and how she spends time with folks that want to get to know her. And to your point, whether that's the grocery store in Prince William County or, you know, whether that's a, an LGBTQ Victory Fund event that she's at that might draw people from across the United States. And I love that example when somebody can share how they were inspired outside of their own industry. You know, it's not 
you know, if a politician says, well, this other politician inspired me. Okay, well, you probably, yeah, everybody in your industry kind of knows about that top politician, like what the president's doing, but seeing an inspiration from a totally like left field, like Metallica, you know, I think is a really um, kind of useful way to to think about how somebody stands out and is innovative in their space. And we got some other examples of that in terms of, you know, people getting their inspiration from sports or um, from customer service at restaurants and hotels or just other places in their in their life. And that was one of the my favorite questions when we asked that question, how we got so many different answers. I agree with that. Yeah. And so inspiration and sometimes inspiration is, is you know, not necessarily like emu- emulating or replicating, but like I, I mentioned before, it's really just kind of taking that, like Danica, that, that's a great example. You mentioned Metallica, seeing that, you know, just kind of learning from that, kind of seeing that, you know, how they, Metallica, this great metal band, interacted with oh. fans and really kind of um, maintained that great relationship with them. And so uh, taking that example from entertainment, music, you know, and, and kind of like taking that, placing that into politics, it's yeah. a great, it's a, it's a great lesson learned for it, for the audit, for everyone. Um, but, um, I, I also, but I also wanted to talk about a little bit, you know, wh- while we, while I uh, were doing this episode, the special episode was some of my, uh, my favorite episodes as well. Yeah. Like, kind of like what's the, it may be the, the hand like less in common with other episodes, but to me, they really stood out and they were the ones, you know, kind of like I would listen to again or, or scrub back and listen, like what, what did they say again? You know, like, yeah. and listen to it again. But, um, I, I think that the recent one, the recent ones with, um, uh, Matthew Algeo, uh, Algeo, yeah, the historian, author. I think what I liked about that book, you know, and it may, maybe part of it because I also have a, a ma- one of my master's degrees in history, so I, I like that that episode in particular. But I think that that was kind of an eye opening episode for me because it, it it reminds me that sometimes our influence we we influence by telling narrative, we we influence a lot of times by telling story. And I think that in today's environment, we think that all influencers are out there, they're grinding every day. They're just like, you know, pumping out content. But Matthew really just streamlined all of it in his efforts to like, you know, into like a book at a time, right? Into a story yeah. at a time. It's extremely influential. It resonates with audiences. It changes perceptions. It changes the way people look at at history. And so I, I found that, that that one truly unique and and it makes me kind of think like, oh, that's right, you know? And so I, that's one of, the, that's one of the, the, the pleasant, you know, benefits of being an author. It's like, it's like you work for a couple of years on one piece, well, one, one story. And obviously we know a book is a lot of times a, a compilation of different stories, but I think we know a book is, is really, you know, one story, so to speak, you're usually yeah. telling one story, but that I, I love that, that, that overall theme of that and how, and how we, um, we brought him on to, to tell to tell that that story and how and how um, yeah. his his process with with like with research in that book. Well, and for folks who you know may not know a lot about Matthew Algio and who haven't listened to it yet, um, he has written several books about you know interesting topics, but but a, but a few about presidents and two about President Truman. And in a world where you often have presidential biographies that span a life. Um, he does something very different. He finds a somewhat obscure small moment and sort of cracks it open to reveal the truth about a person. And so his first book about President Truman, Harry Truman's Excellent Adventure, is about a road trip that Harry and Bess, his wife, took after they were uh, out of the White House 
from Independence, Missouri, back to D.C. for an event in a car with no air conditioning, with no security or anybody traveling with them. And they stopped at roadside diners and motels. And it talks about the interactions they had. And Matthew believes that you can tell a lot more about a person through those moments when they're not, you know, on camera, on stage, um, that that's where you see who the person really is. And that I thought was kind of resonated with something that Stacy Hunky said in her um, interview. She coaches a lot of leaders and communicators about influence and her kind of tagline around that is influence Monday to Monday. Um, you know, this idea that it's it's not just when you're on stage, but how are you showing up on your Zoom meetings? How are you showing up with your team? And, you know, to me, it was like, oh, it was cool that we were able to talk to her about that and, and the lessons that she gives leaders. And then hear how President Harry Truman showed up and the experiences that, you know, because Matthew tracked down diner menus and regular people who took a photo and all this stuff. And really, you get a sense of what that person's like that's different from when they're on stage or on camera. Um, so it was kind of, I think, a cool way to pull together. And especially because you wouldn't think about a, a an author of history necessarily for what we're doing, but it really played well with um, the theme that we're going for, I thought. Well, most definitely, yeah. So uh, I think that that's uh, it, it's very, very, very true. And so I think that we find, um, like, we learn so much from uh, what that the story shows. Is like we learn so much from people when, I guess, when um, we think no one's watching or no one's listening yeah. in. And so and I think that's that's what 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 was captured, right? And so with that book, but uh, great overall story. Yeah, um, a lot of folks that they were able to share, you know, something in their their personal life experience that really propelled them to care about the work that they're doing today, whether that was. Jean-Claude Brizard with Digital Promise, and he was a teacher on Rikers Island and sort of saw the the difference between his life experience and um, the one of the students that he was working with and, and realizing the opportunity that education can provide um, to Tony Woods, the Secretary of Veterans Affairs for the state of Maryland who was discharged from the military under the don't ask, don't tell policy, fought to have that policy changed. And then, you know, as he said, he's one of the few people who's actually then been able to benefit from fighting to have a policy change because it, when it was changed, he was able to become reinstated and um, is still a reservist in addition to being a cabinet member in the state of Maryland. Um, and, I, you know, for me, I think that's a really important lesson for chief influencers is you know, revealing why you're motivated to do what you do as a leader, sharing those stories and being able to talk about that. You know, sometimes we want to keep our, our professional life in one lane and our personal life in another lane. And in today's world, you know, there's more gray area between those than ever before. And so not that you have to, you know, be posting pictures of your dinner and telling all of your, you know, life experiences all the time, but finding where that makes sense uh, helps you show up authentically and helps you connect with an audience and really motivate people. And that was a theme that really pulled through from a number of our guests, I thought. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, I think to your point, um, I think that we, I mean, we're, we're always striving, especially in today's environment, people are more aware of this work-life balance. How can I strike that work-life balance? And the reason yeah. why they do, they do that, because naturally, I think that 
you know, there, like you said, there's that gray area that, that we, you know, we're like, you know, our work life influences our personal life and our personal life influences our, our, our work life, at, at, you know, what's uh, in both regards. And so, um, and so, yeah, to your point, like, I, it's interesting to see that synergy with, with these different stories and episodes, because people, when people are talking about that, uh, in, in that regard, because I think a lot of times up until now, we kind of think that, you know, those things kind of operated in silos. They were totally separate, <laughs> but like, you know, Okay, here comes five o'clock and you know, you right. turn you're able to turn the work life off or you know, or you know, or you go over to the office at eight thirty in the morning, you ever turn the personal life off, you know, and, and it's it's not the case. You know, there's there's this overlap in gray life but, or, or gray area. And so and like I said, that they, they impact one another. And so it's interesting to hear how how, uh, how people explain that during our during yeah. podcast. Yeah, and I think even a theme that went deeper for a few folks was this idea of owning your own story so that someone else can't define you. And so talking about Danica Rome again, she mentioned that, you know, she had um, some things in her past that folks might misinterpret, you know, some photos and some stories. And rather than let her opponents use those to sort of shape how the, the public saw her, she wrote about them, talked about them, you know, she said, I wanted to put them on my website. You know, her team said, we won't have to do too much on all, all of this stuff, but, you know, she um, she did that. And she told those stories about, you know, partying as a heavy metal band member and the experiences. And, you know, when you hear it from her point of view, I mean, they don't seem overly salacious because she gives context, which you wouldn't get from your opponent, of course. Along those lines, Patrick Salee, who's the CEO of uh, Vibrant Health in Kansas City, shared a really powerful story. Um, he wrote a book about it called The Solitary CEO, and um, he struggled with... Um, alcohol use and he uh, had a DUI and he ended up in jail in solitary solitary confinement. And um, he had one experience where a recruiter was, he shared it in confidence, his, pa his, his past and what he'd been through. And they, you know, without his permission, told a, um, a hiring manager who then did, he wasn't hired for that role and that he found out that was why. And so when he applied for the, his current job at Vibrant, he went to the board and told them about it. And he's, you know, owned his story. And he said, this is why having that life experience is what I learned from it. Um, this is where I am today. And this is why I think I'll actually be able to bring that lived experience to do a better job as CEO. And he certainly seems to have thrived in that role through their growth and how they've met the, the need in the community. So this idea of how do you own your story so that others don't, um, that's a strategy that, that, you know, really connected with me. And, and for some folks in particular, it makes more sense than others, but it, it kind of aligns with this talk about authenticity. Definitely, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I really don't have much to add to there, but like, I, I agree with that 100%. You know, like, I think sometimes we think that, um, you know, I think that, you know, everyone has a different personality. And so, yeah. like, I, I'm a little bit more passive. And so sometimes I think that I may kind of let, you know, someone, you know, Take the first pass, you know, talk, you know, explain who I am, or you know, or you know, and but I think that I think that that's great lessons learned for everyone. You know, I think that we need to uh, we need to know who we are. We need to own like you know everything about about us, and so um, and get really gets getting ahead of things, and you're really yeah. getting getting ahead, um, because like you said, there there can be negative spin put on some on 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 who we are sometimes. But uh, like I said, great stories overall. Any other interview or theme that that jumped out at you, Robert? Uh, yeah, I think I mentioned this on a podcast before and, uh, well, there's two episodes I think that really kind of stood out just because I, 
um, I, I work at in real estate development. And so particularly at an architecture and design firm. And so, uh, and so I like the episodes with um, uh, Ati Williams and Jess Banks with ha- Hack My um like my home when they were yeah. talking about yeah and that the show and also like uh the episode with gina schaefer um with uh the hardware stores and so um and the reason why is because obviously both those both of them you know they deal with space you know yeah. <laughs> like spaces like how we utilize space um obviously hardware stores are you know, a lot of di diy projects um pack my home is about space transformation right and so with uh like my home host, I think that it stood out because uh, they're changing the way people um, view the world. You know how, how they how they imagine uh, the space around them, and so and I think we talk about a lot like in the built environment um, with with us who who design uh, the built design city, design communities, um, design office space, design retail spaces. Like we think about the human experience. That's why we do so much research on what way people respond to these spaces, and so. That episode, I particularly, you know, I, I liked. I liked that overall that conversation. I think I I, I mentioned Gina and uh, the hardware, um, the hardware eighth hardware stores that 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 um, that she owns. I think that that's a great story overall because, like, you know, I think that we have, it was very tangible. I think like we um, like some of us, you know, if we own a home, uh, you probably go like you go to Lowe's or go Home Depot or eighth hardware or the local hardware store, you know. Um, I, I grew up with a hardware store, but just down the street, you know, o- always there, you know, always buying supplies. And so it really kind of, you know, I, I think it was that, that one I was able to really kind of zone in on and really kind of see that. I've been to, into Gina's stores. I know exactly what, you know, how that customer service aspect and how the vibe is just different there. You know, the way they treat cu- uh, customers is totally different than any other hardware store. Um, but I also like the, the story because I think our, how, um, uh, we talk a lot about giving back, you know, giving back to our employees, giving back to the community. And Gina's actually doing that, like literally like giving the company back to the employees, like through the employee stock uh, program. And so um, we're, you know, eventually the plan is to give, you know, the majority of the stock is going to be owned by other employees, not her anymore. And so I think that's, that's a great story. And so, you know, and all this stuff kind of ties to with, with our story is really just, um, it's not just lip service with her. You know, I think that, you know, she's influential because she walks the walk and she actually, you know, I think that, um, she sees a good idea. She works with it. She molds it, you know, and figure out how, how can I do that for my, for my stores, you know, and what works, yeah. what works well. And she's, you know, growing and thinking about thinking ahead and whatnot, but she's always very, very, very people centric with her approach. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, whether it's Gina or Auntie and Jess with the Netflix show or so many others, um, it's easy to look at their success and sort of feel like they started there. But as you learn more about the story, they didn't just start off as influential, you know, as chief influencers. They figured out what made sense for them in terms of what was true to their values. And then they built on that and built on that. And now, you know, it's like Gina has all these stores and and she's transitioned from being CEO to an owner and um, found a way to continue to keep her culture and values as part of that business, you know, Ati and Jess, you know, started by doing what they love and they were able to, you know, team up to be on this really cool Netflix show to kind of get their message and their brand out to, 
you know, tons of people around the world. I don't know, probably millions, I'm guessing people around the world. And, um, you know, that's something that's pretty consistent with a lot of folks. Sometimes we say, you know, in terms of what chief influencers do, we have our pillars. And one of those is go for growth, you know, focus on what makes sense for you. It's authentic to you. And and don't get too overwhelmed by all of the competitors and peers out there. Because yeah, this person wrote a book, this person has a podcast, this person does a video series. Well, you know, you can't do everything. You have to figure out what makes sense for you, both authentically, but also tactically. Um, and each of those examples, that's what they've done. You know, they started small and they continue to build by being consistent, being true to themselves. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. I think that we um, and we do do live in an environment where what we publish online, what we self publish online, is really um, the way we we want to present. It's an edited, polished version. It's ready to be published, and I think that we don't see those stories enough of that journey to get there. And so, um, yeah, whether the challenges, what what we overcame, and you know, and like they said, like everyone we see on online or you know who's it influencer out there or you know, has you know fame or su- business success they weren't there like over it didn't happen overnight it didn't happen it didn't happen within a matter of month it took years to get there and it took a lot of trial and error to get there as well and so and they had to really um they had to learn what 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 worked with uh inspiring others around them you know because sometimes yeah. you know it, it's it, you, you don't, you're not going to get it right the first time and so um and I think that, you know, every audience is different too as well. And so I think that uh, those are some great lessons for everyone. Yeah, I, you know, just a couple, you know, last thoughts for me and then love to hear from you about uh, some things that jumped out as common themes. One is just, um, you know, really feeling like you can lean into a facet of yourself to to be memorable and connect with folks. Nidra Dixon from Accenture um, loves shoes. And she's kind of used that as a way to connect with people inside of a giant company with hundreds of thousands of employees where she's kind of known for that. And, um, you know, when she got on an elevator and the CEO got in the elevator and said, Oh, I have to show you what shoes I'm wearing today, Nidra. You know, it just showed that. And, and in her role in supplier diversity, it's very important that, that she build those champions on the inside. And, you interviewed Chris Ullman. And I mean, since you did the interview, he has this sort of fun superpower that he's known for. Maybe you can tell folks what that is. Yeah. So Chris was the interesting uh, interview. And so he has this special talent where he's a a national whistling champion, like literally whistling. And so um, when I always like, I think I even used the punch with him, like he whistles his own tune, you know? And so uh, sometimes, and so, uh, very interesting, but like he's been in, in DC, he's worked on the Hill, worked in, in government for many years. And so uh, I think his way of, you know, of uh, uh, breaking the ice or connecting with individuals has always been this unique talent that he's had. And so I think his theme is really just finding out what that unique, uniqueness, that edge you have uh, that makes you, you know, unique to other individuals. I think sometimes yeah. we think like, ah, no one cares about that, about me. But like, right. in all honesty, like, we're all different, you know? And so what's born in one person is this fascinating to uh, other audiences. Yeah. And I think that you might, I might, I mean, I might, I might kind of think like, okay, yeah, he whistles, but like, you know, but he, you know, he whistled and he did all these different tunes and he's very creative. Right. And so it's easy to see how people, when they hear like, 
oh, you were a national whistling three, you know, I can't remember how many times a whistling champion he is. And then he, when he actually does it, you know, and then you have to have a president of the United States who asks you to whistle, like, that's an extremely, you know, cool, uh, cool experience. A great story for people uh, to, 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 um, to hear. And so, yeah, very, very unique individual uh, as well. Like, extremely successful. He was actually, actually, you know, not all our, our guests are communicators. I would say very few. Like I said, there, it's a great spectrum of people on there. Chris was actually a communications person, a PR person, a um, public affairs person. So yeah. it was great to have that conversation with with him uh, from a communications perspective. But uh, yeah. but like I said, like you know, overall great great story and great uh, theme of really kind of finding your voice and unique uh, unique uh, angle or talent that really yeah. is going to connect with other people. Yeah, it certainly makes it memorable, which is you know, which was really um, a takeaway. Um, and I just would say a theme that many many other folks connected with that I loved is just this idea of elevating others. Often leaders say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to be self-promotional. I don't want to post stuff about myself. I don't want to share my story. And it's like, hey, that's okay, actually, because what you can do is you have the power to lift up others, to elevate others and to help amplify their stories and help make them feel good and help make them look good. And whether that's the million person um, small business network that Sharon McBride helped to build at eBay, and now she's doing something similar at DoorDash, really elevating them and helping them get their voice heard through policy um, or whether it's, you know, a much smaller audience um, that, you know, like Bruce does through his interviews or that Daniel Buezo does by helping other kids of immigrants um, feel heard through the fashion world, you know, elevating others is a really powerful way for an influencer, not only to get their message out and connect, but to, you know, make, it feels good too, right? I mean, it makes a difference. You actually do have an influence if you lift up others up in that way. So that's the sort of last theme that that kind of struck me. And and Robert, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that theme, or if you want to close with a, with a different um, theme as we wrap up today. I think it's a perfect one to end on the elevating uh, uh, of others because I think that the nature of this initiative is really is to honor the chief influencers out there. It's the individuals who are the influencers, but it's great. Like you said, it's great when you get someone on there and they're telling these stories about how, what they do to help to uplift others. And so that it's not about them. And it's like, and they realize that, that they're only as influential as the people that's around them, the people they work with, the people they inspire, you know, the people they work with day in and day out, their families, their friends. And so I, that's why I, I love that, like um, that overall theme and, and, and how people how people work with others, how, how they connect their, that relationship with others. And so um, it's it's a beautiful thing when you when you when, when you hear when you hear about um, how people are doing that um, with their day to day. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, it has been such a joy working with you this year, Robert, and getting to uh, hear the stories from so many leaders who inspire and influence others. We set out to profile, um, you know, a couple dozen this year, and I would say we overachieved our goal, which is good. And guess what? We're ready for 2024, and we have some really exciting chief influencers who are going to be recognized and share their stories. So we hope that you all have enjoyed um, what we brought you this year and you ain't seen nothing yet. We have a lot coming next year. So Robert, thank you so much for your partnership and thanks for spending some time today chatting about the, the wonderful chief influencers who we've featured so far. Thank you. Been wonderful. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chief Influencer, a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board. If you know a leader who should be featured as a chief influencer, please nominate them at chiefinfluencer.org. For show notes and more, visit us at chiefinfluencer.org or follow Chief Influencer on LinkedIn. Until next time.